Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Everyone, um, <clears throat> I'm happy to talk with you today about clinical trials in heart failure with preserved ejection fraction and really what they've taught us about the overlap between HEFPEF, PH, and the just the, <clears throat> um, the details that we've learned from doing clinical trials in HEFPEF um, applied to the pH sphere. Okay, so the overall goal is to discuss these recent HEFPEF clinical trials and their relevance to pulmonary hypertension. As Dr. Raza mentioned, pH in HEFPEF is actually quite common, um, and it's an extremely morbid condition. In this analysis published in JAMA Cardiology, we see that the presence of pulmonary hypertension associated with left heart disease is associated with significant mor morbidity and worse survival. And so pH, the presence of pH, whether it is at rest or with exercise, identifies a very high-risk HEFPEF group for subsequent hospitalization um, and for uh, overall mortality. Um, and so a very, very high-risk group. What we know is, is that patients with pH and HEFPEF benefit from standard guideline therapies for heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. So within the past one or two years, we've identified that across the LVEF spectrum, SGLT2 inhibitors are disease-modifying, reducing heart failure hospitalizations across the spectrum of ejection fraction. Um, and uh, this has been shown through uh, individual clinical trials along with meta-analyses of clinical trials. So what is the effect of SGLT2 inhibitors on the, in the presence of pulmonary hypertension? We do have some data through wireless PA pressure monitoring that SGLT2 inhibitors, when given, even in a subacute period of 12 to 13 weeks, reduce pulmonary um, artery pressures. Um, and so we feel that there may be some effect um, on pulmonary hypertension. How, however, mechanisms is this simply decongestion um, uh, due to natu the naturetic effect of SGLT2 inhibitors, or are there other effects that could be um, occurring that reduce uh, uh, pulmonary pressures in this way? It's unclear, but there is a signal that um, uh, those with group 2 pH um, would receive benefit. <clears throat> Another recent um, group of clinical trials with regard to HEFPEF that has been uh, recently identified are those trials involving the compound Secubitril Valsartan, uh, Secubitril being a neprilysin inhibitor and Valsartan being an uh, angiotensin receptor blocker. Uh, the first trial, which um, was reported in 2015, uh, actually, sorry, 2018, 2019, with regard to this, was the Paragon Heart Failure Trial, which randomized patients to Valsartan or Secubitril Valsartan alone. And this was a chronic HEFPEF population, an outpatient population of HEFPEF with NYHA 2 to um, uh, uh, 4 heart failure symptoms. And we see that Secubitril Valsartan just missed a... a uh, significance in, in a combined endpoint of heart failure hospitalizations and death from cardiovascular causes. However, we did note uh, in the trial that there was a significant interaction by left ventricular ejection fraction such that those patients who had ejection fraction less than 65 seemed to benefit more uh, than those patients on the higher end of ejection fraction. In addition, there was a recently published trial 
of uh, patients in a trial called Paraglide, again evaluating secubitril valsartan, but this in a much um, sicker population of worsening heart failure or acute heart failure recently hospitalized. Uh, and when pooling patients with both uh, a kind of acute or subacute heart failure and recent hospitalization for heart failure, and those in uh, chronic um, heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, we see that there's a signal for benefit um, of secubitril valsartan. What exactly is this doing and how is it relevant to pulmonary hypertension? Well, the effects of secubitril valsartan are um, probably underappreciated at the right ventricular level. There is some signal um, in both murine models of, um, uh, in murine models of HEFPEF along with um, in patients with HEFPEF that uh, uh, secubitril valsartan uh, relieves RV thickness. Um, there's a significant benefit from a, a myofibril perspective at the level of the RV. Um, and so, uh, yet, uh, mechanisms yet to be understood completely, but we do feel that there might be some right ventricular um, myocardial benefits of this, of this drug. Uh, the kind of elephant in the room with regard to HEFPEF are those patients who have obesity, and Dr. Raza mentioned that these patients tend to be underdiagnosed in terms of the diagnosis of HEFPEF in general, and they're systematically excluded from clinical trials uh, or the majority of clinical trials uh, due to high... Uh, uh, to BMI cutoffs in which they uh, typically exceed. These patients typically have um, severe symptoms, uh, frequent hospitalizations, and pH is very common in the setting of obesity. Um, there are several shared mechanisms um, uh, due to obesity that might drive the onset of pulmonary hypertension in addition to heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. And recently, um, as Dr. Raza also mentioned, the STEP-HEFPEF trial recently reported um, this was a, a novel trial of a little over 500 patients with obesity and HEFPEF randomized to high, higher doses of semaglutide versus placebo treated for one year with a dual primary endpoint of change in KCCQ questionnaire, quality of life questionnaire, and body weight. And uh, the trial met both of its primary endpoints in which patients randomized to semaglutide had significant and marked, from an effect size perspective, improvements in KCCQ scores um, and change in body weight. So um, taking this into account, especially with regard to, for example, the case that Dr. Raza mentioned, uh, an obese patient, group 2 pH, um, uh, marked quality of life improvements with GLP-1 receptor agonists. Um, this is a new therapy that we now um, can offer our patients with uh, group 2 pH secondary to HEFPEF. <clears throat> In addition, there has been kind of uh, uh, um, several device-related clinical trials that have taught us a lot about pH in the setting of HEFPEF, and the first is intraatrial shunting for the treatment of HEFPEF. So the concept here is, is that in patients who have either resting left atrial hypertension with HEFPEF or exercise-induced left atrial hypertension would benefit from LA, um, essentially pressure decompression or uh, intraatrial shunt acting as a pop-off valve to relieve pressure, increase the volume, essentially the effective volume of the left atrium, uh, increasing the compliance essentially of the effective left atrium to reduce symptoms. Um, and this trial was the REDUCE uh, LAP2 trial um, published about a year ago, which randomized 626 patients who were required to have an elevated pulmonary capillary wedge pressure on right heart catheterization with exercise. Um, so had the gold standard diagnosis of HEFPEF um, and were randomized to this intraatrial shunt versus a sham procedure. 
The overall trial was neutral in terms of its overall, the overall effect of the shunt on a primary composite uh, hierarchical endpoint. However, there was a subgroup that appears to benefit, and this is how we're learning a lot about pHs through some of these trials where we have invasive hemodynamics both at rest and exercise, and we're learning a lot about HEFPEF and a lot about pH as a result of this. And so uh, the reduced LAP trial identified that there was a patient population who did not have the term latent PVD, so a PVR at peak exercise of less than 1.74. These patients, as identified to the left of that vertical dotted line, um, uh, had benefits, as you can see on the upper left side of the graph, um, uh, uh, with regard to the primary composite endpoint and specifically market improvements in quality of life. Um, and so we think, and this, this trial has opened up a doorway to, uh, one, understanding the physiology of HEFPEF, Two, understanding that this, there may be a patient population, again, without latent pulmonary vascular disease that could benefit from this class of device therapies, intraatrial shunts, and there are multiple other trials that are now under, um, uh, under investigation, including the one that was studied in reduced LAP2 specifically to this responder population without latent PVD. But it's brought us, uh, reduce LAP, this reduced LAP trial has brought us to a kind of a, a really interesting understanding about pulmonary hypertension and HEFPEF in which we see that with exercise, with perturbation, there are patients that have concomitant rise <clears throat> in their RA pressures and their pulmonary capillary wedge pressures uh, and marked rises in their PA pressures that have latent PVD that identify a group that has started probably to have abnormal remodeling of their pulmonary vasculature, a more high-risk group, um, more frequent hospitalizations, maybe more uh, prone to non-response to traditional therapies or contemporary therapies, including SGLT2 inhibitors, uh, Secubitravalsartan. They may <clears throat> just not uh, sustain the same amount of benefit. And there are therapies that those who don't have uh, latent PVD, for example, uh, may benefit from particularly like atrial, uh, atrial shunt devices. So what do we do for this more high-risk population um, of patients with combined pre- and post-capillary pH? Well, there are some novel therapies um, under investigation for the combined pre-post-capillary pH um, group, one of which is pulmonary artery denervation, which has shown some benefit in group 2 pH um, as compared to sildenafil. One could argue that's not the best comparator um, to pulmonary artery denervation, but uh, market improvements in six-minute walk test and um, uh, with pulmonary artery denervation. So another uh, potential therapy for this higher-risk group with um, intrinsic pulmonary vascular disease secondary to HEFPEF. And again, um, so Tatercept, a game-changer in multiple ways, but in the combined pre-post-capillary pulmonary hypertension group, this is under investigation in a phase two trial um, of 150 uh, individuals and the primary endpoint of change in PVR at 24 months. Um, so again, targeting this group of patients who may have resting um, PVD or latent PVD may benefit from uh, these therapies in addition to therapies that potentially target um, the right heart <clears throat> um, and um, the pulmonary circulation um, like levosimendin. Levosimendin was um, studied in a phase two trial of group 2-PH um, in which benefits were seen in terms of um, a spectrum of exercise pulmonary capillary wedge pressure and is being studied in a, uh, in a, in a follow-up trial as well.
Um, so sorry for <clears throat> going over um, and thank you very much. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME LLC, and is part of our Minute CE curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.